What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to the Elk Hunt Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Rich. And if you're new here, this podcast feed is a place for all of the elk hunting interviews that I've done over the last six or seven years. Some are Wapiti Wednesdays, some are from my original podcast. But I wanted to compile the largest collection of elk hunting knowledge and interviews ever put together, which is pretty cool. And I would love your guys' help getting it out there to the world. So if you could do me a huge favor, uh, this is a new feed. So go leave it a five-star review and maybe tell a friend about it. But thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you guys enjoy this elk hunting podcast. Jaden's drinking out of his peroxide bottle again. It's yeah, it's the only way I get my nutrition these days. <laughs> Is that how you keep COVID free? Just drink water out of a peroxide bottle? You know, I appreciate that you call it a peroxide bottle because I was told by the guy who gave it to me that they use these for enema on uh, mule deer captures. So, um, yeah, I think Wait, it works. Nonetheless. Mule deer it's, enemas are is... like capture worker enemas. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I become one with the animal. Okay. As long as mule deer, I feel like that's justifiable. <laughs> oh, God. Mule deer people are just a new breed of crazy i feel like there's people who would drink animal water to kill a 200 meal deer yes I, I feel like that's an accurate statement oh, dude we're dealing with this big time down in wyoming and um maybe this will lead right into your conversation but there's a bunch of new changes expected um we'll see what ends up happening but they're like looking at maybe restricting residents to different regions on residents um they're looking at you know, just kind of different styles of, of hunting management. So I've voiced my opinion against it, but uh, we'll see. I might become an elk guy here pretty quick. <laughs> like, okay. So they made a bunch of changes also. So these are not included in the changes that already happened. Correct. These are like other changes. These are like structural, like system wide changes to how they allocate deer licenses. Um, and largely it is because, and I like to throw myself into this group of guys who are like trying to find big deer, right? Like this, right. I, we do all mealy Mondays about this, right? right? But the vast majority of these guys are like, ah, there's not big enough deer in the Wyoming range. And so that's like where a big push is coming from. Um, which it blows my mind a little bit. Cause like, it's, it's got some of the best genetics and consistent producing trophies in the lower 48. So we'll see what yeah, happens. But Jayden's but, um, not what it was in the sixties. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I am actually thinking, I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Like I might have to become a little more of an elk guy. It looks like there was opportunities are hanging around here at least for a little while. Yeah. So, I feel yeah. like, you know, in business, we always talk about going after opportunities that are rising and not declining. And I feel like <laughs> being a mule deer guy in 2022 is taking advantage of declining opportunities <laughs> at best. Yeah. Even if the population is going to increase in different places, I think the opportunity is um, not. So even did you if, like, see the, the thing that uh, I forget who posted, but someone was like, <laughs> "Idaho." Oh, it was an Idaho fish and game thing that like moose populations on the uh, increase or whatever. You're like, ah, uh, is this like a Biden's job thing where like they just decimate <laughs> it and then they had one more born and so they're like on the increase. <laughs> I think so. Uh, anyway, so I'm kind of excited. I'm, I'm re, um, configuring my elk plans this year. Um, and so I know you will kind of wanted to talk a little bit about some of that stuff, right? 
I do. Um, I thought we should do a podcast. Kind of, it's, it's come up in my DMs a couple of times um, about cow hunting because we we like we did a podcast. I guess we, we did that Q and A thing with the guy that um, did the Utah, and then it came up again on something else, and we were talking about you know Utah uh, as a cow an, oper- an at bats opportunity state. So I won't even say a cow thing. It's like it's it's, it's a great way to get at bats. Um, and so that's kind of come up a couple of times. So I thought like, how could we do an entire episode on at bat opportunities, AKA meat filling, you know, opportunities. I think there's a couple of sides to this. So there's, there's the one where it's like, if you just want to put elk meat in your freezer, um, I think there's quite a bit of opportunity. Uh, I think that also, if you want to say, get better as an elk hunter in a land of like, if you don't live in a state that has a, like a resident elk tag for you, then you're at best hunting every two to three years. And, and in the future that could be even less. So I, I think there's a way to get at bats by archery hunting cow tags. Um, and so like, <clears throat> I thought about titling this, like how to, how to kill a cow on a weekend. But I think the, the bigger picture is like, there's a bunch of opportunities and I don't, want to say like they're lesser opportunities of elk hunting. I think that if you want to be a great elk hunter, hunting cows is actually better than hunting raghorns. There, I said it. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm excited to kind of pick your brain on this too, because for, for two reasons. One, I have still yet to kill a cow. I've only killed two like small bulls. Um, and so I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, Wyoming, and I'm sure Montana is the same way. If you want to go kill how many can you kill in Montana? You can kill three elk in Wyoming a year and two of those have to be a cows, but, um, there's just plenty of opportunities, right? If you're like really trying to just get at bats, um, plus they're adding, I mean, they're even adding tags here and I know they're probably trying to add more opportunity for them up there. Um, Yeah. I mean, they literally keep changing the seasons because they can't kill them. Um, or people won't, you know, like it's a priorities issue, but I want to distinguish the fact that like, there's a big difference between like, getting at bats to be a better bow hunter and just killing a cow. So most of these seasons, uh, you know, they're reflective of like cow seasons where you have a rifle and like what's, uh, type six for Wyoming. Is that it? Yeah. Type six is the common one. Yeah. Right. So like if a type six tag, I mean, are those archery or rifle or are these like a lot of rifle late season? Uh, all, all of them will have rifle dates and most of them, will even just have such a long season that they won't have an archery date. Now you mm. could go. So like I'm looking at some of this stuff. I actually have this pulled up, um, from different things I've been doing, but, oh, you could hunt some of that. Um, the, the sixties units that are really, um, coveted right. and go hunt them with a rifle in the rut. Right. And like, can you imagine how fun that would be? But also like, if you wanted to be a good, like you want to be a good, uh, archery elk hunter, but you don't have an elk tag. Well, the, a lot of the problem is, is that like, I, you have to put in for whatever, right? Like, so now with the new rules in Montana, uh, actually, I think you can still try to put in for what, one or the other. Uh, but you know, like some of these units, you can just go cow hunting and get that cow tag pretty much guaranteed now and, and like have a fallback plan. And I, I feel like that's the future is like, 
you know, people were like, oh, well, maybe if I don't draw a, a rifle tag, then I'll get a cow tag. But I think the reality of the, like the future is like, okay, I'm going to have one cow tag and I'm going to go use it a either scout or just as a training exercise. Like, uh, yeah. you know, because at the, the end of the day, like you can get on cows, you'll get on bulls. So <clears throat> that's my thought. And I, I do like, let's go over a few of the States. So, uh, Montana, you can pretty much get a cow tag every year. Um, even as a non-resident, if you apply for that one first choice, uh, there's also B tags. So we can apply for B tags. Those are kind of getting harder to get, uh, Wyoming. So you have your type six tags that can go through, uh, Oregon, go ahead. I was just going to interject. So Wyoming is kind of, it's goofy in that. So you have full price licenses, which are the ones that take your points. And then you have the reduced price, the reduced price are the type six and seven that we're talking about. Um, but you don't take your sevens, no, they're random draw. Mm. So, and so you can apply for those the same year that you apply for the full price and get those and not get your full price. There are also full price cow tags that you can put second choice that won't take your points. So there's a variety of ways you can do it in, in Wyoming, but, um, I just want to clarify that right before we got too far down the road. Right. Um, and similarly, in uh, let's see here in Montana, if you were to do a first choice on, uh, so we have B tags, which are like cow tags, but we also have. Uh, I should look this up. I think that the cow tag, like the general tag, you can use on a cow in certain units. So, um, mm-hmm. like a lot of the nine hundreds, uh, if you you have a general tag, you can shoot a cow in say, I don't know, seven Oh fours, like the one everyone goes to. So you could go to that unit and, and hunt cows on your general tag, but that's going to take your points versus B tags, which are a little bit harder to draw because you have more people mm-hmm. going at those, but, uh, Utah over the counter, Oregon, st- not over the counter this year. Uh, but if you put in for that, I think you can still get it pretty consistently. Uh, New Mexico, Colorado, like all these States, you can go cow hunt. Like it's a thing. Yeah. I wonder, do you think that, um, where, 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 how do you even start to choose, right? Like, um, for a, uh, a bull hunter, a lot of it is driven by like what you have for other people's experiences, right? That's, I, I feel like that drives most of people's bull hunting decisions. How do you right. go and pick a, a cow hunt? I think it's like what type of hunt you want. Like it goes back to like the same as bull. Um, if, if you took trophy quality out of it, you'd say, okay, what kind of experience do I want? Do I want to go hunt the backcountry? Do I want to hunt the open sagebrush? Do I want to hunt, you know, ag fields? Do I, what do I want to hunt? Right. And so from there, like, obviously some of the coveted ones, like the easiest ones are going to be harder to get. Right. So that's just kind of the nature of the beast. But I think there's plenty of opportunities in places that are not as easy, right? Uh, and so I would look at it as from like, what kind of experience do I want? Uh, you know, say the San Carlos, you get an over-the-counter uh, spike cow tag, right? That's a freaking cool experience. Like that's all the experience of elk hunting, minus the whole shooting the big bull thing. Because what happens is like you're you're hunting a unit that has high bull to cow ratio, has high numbers, like you you're in the mix of screaming bulls, like it's the same thing, right? Um and this is why I do think that cow hunting is going to teach you more about it than rag than hunting for any elk, right? Like um let's take the average guy girl, whoever, uh, goes and says, I want to go elk hunting. Right. So what do they do? They find an area they know from a buddy or they talk to hunting fool or they, whoever go and go hunt and like, Oh, we're going to go here. And they pick a, uh, camp. That's where their camp's going to be. And maybe they drive around or maybe they hike in and then like they bugle and go blah, blah, blah. Right. Like that's, uh, is that a fair assessment of like the average hunter? <laughs> Whereas like, if yeah. you were, 
doing a cow hunt, like how would you do it any differently? I'll just ask you, like, would you do it any differently? Oh man. I, I oftentimes feel like, uh, are we talking archery season? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why you would do it any differently. I mean, you're hunting the same group of elk, right? Well, and I feel like most people, when they think of cow, like they go late season and they just kind of drive around and hope to see one and shoot it. Right. Like it's more like antelope hunting than it is elk hunting per se. But if you treat it like almost identical, it's like, okay, like, here's how we're going to do it. Here's plan A, C, B, whatever. And then we're going to cover this amount of ground. Like you're learning to hunt herds of elk, which is what hunting herd bulls is. You're learning to hunt herds of elk versus the guy who just walks around and bugles, waits for someone to, you know, bugle back. And then he tries to call him in. That's hunting raghorns. And I say that loosely because like satellite bulls, five points, whatever, but essentially like you're kind of wandering around trying to call in something. That's, I feel like 90% of hunters are doing, they're just walking around trying to call in something uh, and shoot it. Whereas when you go and hunt cows, like, okay, so how to kill, how to kill an elk in a weekend, I would choose a place with high densities of elk. When it comes to big bulls, I actually do the opposite. I choose low density elk because I like low densities of people. But with a cow tag, I'm like, okay, I want a reasonable amount of elk. Uh, I want probably glassing ability, maybe. I mean, if I didn't have it, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But then I would hunt it no different than if I was only hunting herd bulls. Like I would still probably locate, I mean, ideally glass. So I'd first off, I'm going to glass. Second off, I'm going to, you know, locate bugle. And then I'm going to try to move in on the herd, slip in quiet, right? Like I'm not going to go in and bust them. So like all these things is like, if you, if you want to do it in a weekend, you got to have a really, really good area, AKA a lot of opportunities. Uh, and in doing so, like you're going to choose those units with big elk numbers. What time frame would you do this though? Like, would you still um, do? Yeah, would 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 the time frame change for you if you're given the classic just September month of September to hunt? Mm, I would no, I don't think it would change. Like, obviously, like if I have a bull tag, but I think we're going from the perspective of like I don't have a bull tag. Uh, like, I live in Texas or something, and I I strangely don't have a bull tag. I would be moving from Texas, but aside from that point, (laughs) like I would still probably hunt like peak rut, right? Like, I don't know if it it just depends on the week. I think I could easily kill a cow in a weekend on opening weekend of any state, um, you know, focusing on water holes, right? Like I'm going to try to pattern these out, focus on water holes, uh, probably sit them, you know, in the evenings and stuff like that. Like, dude, I feel like you could easily kill a bull or a cow on a weekend doing that. Um, but I would also like go above and beyond. Like I would hunt it as if I had the big bull tag that was once in a lifetime, like, you know, like all out and not just drive around and look for the one that's sitting next to the truck. Um, do you think that, I, I know you've always said that when you're hunting for elk um, in particular, big bulls that you keep, you feel like you could shoot raghorns and small bulls just like 10 times over as you're like, hunting for this like next level. Do you think it'd be the same for cows? You know, if you're putting in that next level effort. Yes. And I actually, when I think about it, the earlier in the season, it would be better for cows because I do feel like when I look back on like late September, all those cows, you know, get pressured or like they get really spooky. The hard part about the last week of September or even first week of October is that like getting close to a big bull it's so hard because the cows are all spooky as shit. And like, they'll, you know, bounce it like a crack of a limb and then I'll take off. Whereas like opening week, man, they're just like 
carefree, blah, 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 blah. So actually now that I worked that out in my head, I do think that like opening would be probably better than like the last week of season. Really? Do, do you think that um, those elk would be in bigger or smaller herds that first week? Like, is that going to change what you're looking for? I haven't noticed any. I mean, there is probably a, some herd breakup. I, not a significant amount. I've, you know, rarely seen that. Like the only, usually the difference is that like the herd bull on opening weekend is like a 260 bull or a, you know, a five point that's bugling and none of the cows really care. Right. But the last week of season, like elk have come and gone, like, right. Like it's just chaos. They've been bumped. They've been hunted. They've been pressured. And so like they're just, the lead cow is on edge. Like she does puts up with nothing. The first sign of issue she gone. And so that makes it just difficult from that perspective. So, you know, I feel like the first week would be a little bit better, but also like every time I'm hunting open week and I think of like all the trips to New Mexico and stuff, like sitting on a waterhole, if waterhole had tracks or like usage almost every night, there's cows coming into it. <laughs> okay. So what is like, uh, give me a, give me a state, whether you want to do the, the ideal Utah cow hunt, um, what I, mean, would I think do? the best cow hunt it's over the counter. And I think you get to be in some of the craziest stuff I think is, is Utah, like take some of their premium tags and then just get the, the cow tag. I think first choice for me, probably Utah, but the only downside of that is pressure. So in that capacity, like, you know, I might consider going somewhere else. Uh, I would like Colorado wouldn't be high on my list just because of pressure. Like I feel like some of the Montana units, nobody even like, thinks about cow hunting in Montana. Uh, so I don't think that gets pressure. Same with Wyoming. I don't feel like there's a ton of people a hunting Wyoming, let alone like just cow hunting. I've never seen another cow hunter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I take it back. There's one dude driving around in PJs that drove past an elk. Uh, that we talked about. Yeah. Dude, and yeah, I, dude, was, I feel like Montana or Wyoming is a great example of like people go cow hunting and they probably drive around with their bow in the front seat thinking that they're going to like road hunt some cow, right? Like they put yeah. zero effort into it. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> <laughs> do you think, um, are cows going to be as affected by like heavy hunting pressure as uh, a bull would be like, are they going to be hard to kill or like more as hard so. to kill? More, yeah. way more so like a big bull, uh, like I've been around a number of like herd bulls. They usually don't give a shit. Like the only problem is that you bumped a cow and he's like still on the fence on whether he wants to fight you or go with that cow. Like he doesn't have a clue, you know, like he's not balancing pretty rarely. Does that happen more far more often is like, uh, you know, you get picked off by a cow and the cow takes off and he's like still standing there bugling. And then he gets to the next region, like bugling at you. Like, like, uh, I'm torn between what to do here. So like from that perspective is like cows get way spooky. Bulls just get ruddy, you know, and they, they're kind of worried about the rut because when bulls aren't ruddy, they just peel from the herd. Like a big bull is not going to hang out the herd unless he's like pretty rutted up. I mean, there's probably a couple scenarios, but for the most part, um, yeah. and so like, dude, cows, yeah, cows can get tougher as you go on, but at the same time, like they can get predictable late season too. Um, you know, if you have cows that are unpressured and I'm sure it's far different in, you know, a general over the counter tag in Oregon versus say a premium unit in Utah. Um, you know, if I had two cow tags, I'd probably hold the, the, I, I mean, it does, I think Utah's season ends like the 16th or something like that. So, um, I say last week season, but it's still mid September. 
you know, maybe I'd hunt a different state, you know, opening week per se. <laughs> two, two cow tags in a year. Dude, we're going, on, <laughs> we're going on a cow hunting slam. We're going to kill four cows in four states in four days. <laughs> <laughs> dude this would be this is the this is the content the world needs i just was watching some born rays and i think this is the new this is dude, the new hot thing shooting cows okay how would you do <clears throat> well no actually i still have more questions because i don't i literally i'm sitting here thinking like i don't even think i've been able to get drawn back on a cow like i i've not like you had that close encounter really i mean um do just you think that you what? That's, that's dude. That's hunting style. Like it. Yeah. Would, yeah. Like, this is the difference between hunting big bulls and hunting any bull. Like when you mm-hmm. go out and you're trying to uh, hunt raghorns, the hunting style. I don't say raghorns. You're trying to kill any five point. The hunting style is different than if you are only trying to go after a particular herd bull. And it's the same reason. Like I happen to just run into raghorns constantly, and they get in my way all the time. It's because the hunting style changes. Like if I was only going after five points, like I would probably not run into them, right? Because I would be out trying to locate them and then call them in or whatever. And when you're just out locating and trying to call in, or you're doing that, you know, born and raised cat road shuffle, running like, gun, yeah, you're not running it. You're not having cows come in. Like that's not a thing. Okay. This is, and this is good. This is why I wanted to spend some time on this. Cause, um, is it more of a, do are cows more sight sensitive? Like when you're trying to sneak in on them, you think, or is it just like, you know, are there any, can be any differences like that? I mean, this is what, this is my point is that when you're hunting, when you're hunting herd bulls, you're really hunting cows. And so learn to hunt okay. cows and you'll learn to hunt herd bulls. See what I'm saying? Gotcha. Like, so I find a shooter bull, whatever it is, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm like, okay, cool. My entire day game plan situation revolves around what the cows are doing. It has nothing to do with that bull. I'm literally trying to get within 60 yards of cows. So he will check them. Uh, unless I'm going into, to, you know, locate or like to challenge bugle, like say they went into some super thick stuff. And for some reason I thought I need to pressure him that day. You know, I would, probably do something similar and challenge Google. Obviously that's probably not the case when you're going to, um, you know, try to go for a cow. The only difference there is like, instead of challenge Google, throw out a cat, a lost calf. Uh, but I would still save that as a Hail Mary, but I would still, you know, try to like basically spot and stock. Um, if I was cow hunting, I'm putting the calls away other than to locate. And the two calls I'm going to use are a locate bugle or a lost calf. Cause I still feel like there's plenty of cows out there that aren't herded up. Like I see them all the time. Um, that would probably respond to a lost calf, depending on the pressure, the area, the everything. So like my two go-tos for cow hunting would be locate bugle and a, a lost calf. Okay. So are you going to, um, if let's just say you're hunting in, um, Oregon or like far Western, Montana. Yeah, uh, no, not necessarily, but just thick country, just like thicker and shit. Um, yeah, that's where locate bugle. That's where that's your game plan. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would glass when I could, uh, but like, let's, let's flip it and say, I needed to kill a Roosevelt cow this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went home. Uh, I'm going to, so I'm going to spend most of my time trying to locate most of my night trying to locate bugle, locate bugle, covering ground, covering ground, covering ground. I just need to find an elk. 
there's a huge gamble on whether there's a cow with him, but that's the best way to do it. And then the rest of the time, I'm going to be looking for tracks. I'm going to be checking bottoms, be checking like benches, wallows, those things. Like I'm looking for elk signs. So a lot of times, like in Western Oregon, it's so thick. Like you're looking for tracks on the side of the road. Um, we're like, so there'll be like a cut bank and you're like looking for, you know, a herd of elk, right? Like they, where they crossed, you'd see like a huge trail. So I'm looking for like the, the signs of elk. Right. And then like, I'm still going to need to locate that herd. And generally speaking, unless it's like opening weekend, there could be no bull in there, but there's probably a bull, like it might be a spike. So I'm going to throw out fairly passive, like really passive, uh, locate bugles and just trying to like locate whatever bulls in there. And then like, hopefully he leads me to that herd. Best case scenario. I locate these bull, this elk. Uh, I let them, unless I have the opportunity to get, catch them on their way back from bed, which is pretty rare. I'm going to try to locate where they are in the bed and then try to cut them off on their way to feeding. Like, I feel like, like ultra thick country, it's going to be an evening feed. Uh, that's when they're going to get up and move. Cause like, we're talking early season, you know, whatnot. Uh, if I thought I knew some wallows or something, I might try to hit the wallows, but again, I think you're risking like only running into a bull or like a spike or a raghorn or something like that. So you're, you're hurt. Like that's where tactics change, right? Like if it was a water hole, you could probably sit it and kill a cow. If it's a wallow, maybe it's kind of a 50, 50 shot. You might only get some raghorns or like uh, satellite bulls coming into there. So I would just still focus. Like I was trying to hunt the earth bull and cut that herd off. Like once I'm trying to like slip in, I'm not going to say anything. It's like a spot and stop game, but instead of spotting, I'm locating with locate vehicle. Okay. That, that's good shit. Have you had any, uh, no, it is. I, I never even put this much thought to cow hunting. I just was like, uh, you just, there's a little bit of me just making this up on the go for the record. <laughs> well, if you think about it though, like most of us just go like, well, and I had a cow tag with my, um, I had an extra cow tag last year where I was hunting a lot right. and, um, I kept going like, well, I mean, just if I stumble into one, right. Like, right. but I could have been a lot more strategic looking back now. I was like, I wasn't even near any classic, like cow bedding or like, you know, classic good feed and, and water. It was just kind of like running around. I don't know. Yeah. And um, if I was like so the open good. country version of this is that like, you're going after a cow, it's no different. Like I'm going to try to locate a herd. I'm going to put them to bed just like a mule deer. And then I'm going to put a stock in and I'm going to try to get to the closest cow and either hope that she gets up or like whatever, like I'm basically just going to wait out the day because it's going to be windy. Like that's perfect. I'm going to kill that, that cow at probably 2 PM. Right. Like that's perfect in that case scenario. Uh, that that's super open country though. And like, but again, that just glassing locate, get in herd gets up. I shoot one. All right. I'm going to take a hard left turn. Okay. <clears throat> Have you had any luck or do you think anybody would have any luck knocking on doors to hunt, hunt for cows? Dude. Yes. 100. Well, I have, well, I've knocked on a lot of doors, but not for cow <laughs> hunting, <laughs> um, not for cow hunting, but I think that 100% people wouldn't care. The hard part about this, at least in Montana is that that property is like generally going to be you know, their friends or family or someone's coming to hunt it or it's leased or whatever, you know, they'll let you come in like Thanksgiving week or something. One of those like late rifle situations or in December or something like that, you know, in December, people will pay you to come shoot their cows. 
but uh, I think getting August would be a little bit tough from that. But I also wouldn't be surprised if someone told you yes. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I will say, and this is maybe just Wyoming specific. Some of these are opening up in fucking August 15th to try See, to get like elk that are on ag field. Yeah. But uh, like a thousand August 15th when season opens up September one. Yeah. Cause those elk will be pushed off. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like that's a bad, that's a no go, but I don't think it'd be that hard like to find those elk that are feeding on private and betting on public. Like those things are so patternable in August and nobody's hunting them. Like it would be super easy. And like, it's almost ever hunted these elk and be like, Oh yeah, I was like 30 yards from this, you know, herd bull. <laughs> it's going to be like, well, <laughs> yeah, but it was off season. Yeah. Do you think, okay. Okay. Do you think that, um, that might be an easier time frame to kill one is yes. like, just to say you have this earlier yeah. Versus 100%. the late. Like I would go. Yeah. Like the, these seasons that open up in August, that's going to be way easier. Them elk are so patternable. They're in their summer routine. Like they're not, they're pre-rut. So pre-rut like elk are pretty patternable. Like they're going to water, they're going to feed, they're doing the same things. They're not making big loops. They're not getting pushed around. Even like if you're talking about elk that don't get hunted, like just the fact that they're not getting pushed around from bulls and trying to run them off into corners or whatever, like just that alone, like they're in summer mode, man pretty easy. Okay. So th- this is one of the, um, pushbacks I've had on, I, cause I, I've, uh, I was trying to, uh, get some buddies to apply for this August tag in, in Wyoming. Cause I kind of know where the elk will be is from when I was scouting a couple years ago. And, uh, and they were like, dude, you don't want to have a dead elk in the heat. So like, what do you say to someone who's like, I don't want to kill an early season elk. Because That's the dumbest be shit I've ever heard because it was <laughs> 85 degrees on October 1st this year. Like, do you not hunt September? Cause you got, it's going to be hot. Like it's not ideal. I'll, I'll give you that. But like. What, what do you do like as some safeguards? I, I think that's really what I was trying to get at was like some homeboy who's listening to this, who um, is coming from out East or whatever, hasn't had much experience probably with dealing with this meat, meat in the heat. Right. So what, what are some, what are some hot tips? Okay. So, I mean, like standard meat care stuff, like this isn't any different than archery hunting in modern September, like modern September is 80 degrees. So fun fact, like it doesn't really change. Um, you know, I, I would not shoot an elk. It is definitely crossed my mind um, to not shoot an elk midday. That's going to be excessive pack out or there's no shade whatsoever or any of these things. Right. Like, so like it's say it's noon and we sneak up on that herd and it's 80 degrees. You might not do that. Right. Like you might just be like, okay, here's the herd's going to get up and I'm going to like, I'm going to position myself here. So I like, I don't want to shoot this animal before say three or four. Uh, by that time it's cooling down. Like it's not going to be an issue. Uh, you know, it's not like it's going to be out in the heat of the day. Uh, I, I think if you shoot an elk, say at three 30, like shooting elk at three 30, you're going to have that thing kind of worked up. It's still at like, I don't know what the internal term of an elk is. Let's call it 98 degrees. The elk is still 98 degrees. So it's not like it's slowly, it's slowly getting cooler and cooler. Right. And so, it's not going to make that much of a difference. Now, granted, if it stayed at 98 degrees for like six hours, then that's no bueno. It's probably going to go bad. But, you know, simple things like um, even in these coolies, like where the shade hits and stuff, like 
the shade will hit on some of these cedars and even in the worst coolies and it's starting to cool down say at 330 right because the sun's dropped enough that it gets some shade so obviously get this thing opened up super fast uh get meat off get meat to shade those type of things like uh if you get like best case scenario you know a creek or something like uh keep it in a cool place where it's going to cool down faster uh but I feel like when we're cow hunting, it's not like we're shooting stuff 15 miles in, you know, I'm going to have it to the pickup in a cooler within reasonably four to five hours. Like, um, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't, I don't think you need to shoot an, a cow elk more than three miles in. Is that fair? <laughs> that's fair. I was going to ask you about that too. I was like, how far is too far for a cow? Uh, that's a pretty good a cow answer. August, though, like, I mean, I, three yeah. miles is pushing it. Like, I feel like no, yeah, that's going to take you a few hours. Right. Um, Especially you- solo. So like, I mean, I think there's enough places in this country. You could shoot it up within two miles of your truck, like within a mile of your truck, probably realistically. Is that fair? Okay. I feel like I'm yeah. just running through places in my head. I think of a lot of places I could kill an elk within a mile of my pickup. And it's like, not to say that you're road hunting. Like there's just like, I feel like there's extremes where it's like, there's, uh, Joe dirt who's driving around in like an 87 Chevy with a bow in the front seat of his pickup, trying to shoot one out the window. And then there's like homeboy who wants to go seven miles deep on a cow hunt. You're like, okay, it's all just like, take a breath. Like there's a, <laughs> there's a middle ground where we could probably like put a stock on a herd that you saw from the road and you know, you shot it and it's like, a, you could drive your pickup around. And it's a mile from the pickup, right? Like I could have that out in sub four hours. Like that means I'm going bad. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. And that's what I wanted to talk about it. Cause like, I, I think that's exactly the issue people would be get themselves in. Cause we just like, on one hand, you're talking about, you got to still hunt them hard. Like if you hunt them, like you're hunting uh, with the same effort that you hunt bulls, uh, you'll get into them. But at the same time, like, okay, take 20% off there squarely, Dan, you don't need to be backpacking like in the middle of, uh, yeah, but bob. like newsflash, like there you have to be a very good hunter to hunt big bulls more than say seven miles from the truck. Like if you haven't killed say five or six bulls, you probably don't have any business hunting more than five miles from the truck. That's a bold statement. But like, I do feel like there's a lot of people who don't have enough at bats to be go swinging for home runs, like 12 miles into the wilderness you know, just like the, the, the problem with that is like, you know, when you're 12 miles in the wilderness and you can from camp walk, maybe you're three miles from your camp or whatever, like you could chase all those elk out in a single evening, <laughs> you know, at, or like three days at best. And so like, you have to be really good at, at capitalizing on your at-bats. And I, I think this kind of gets into it is like, if you want to get more at-bats, go cow hunting and put a stock on a different herd every single day. And you're going to be stalking into a herd of elk to get in bow range. Like that's a feat. That's no easy task. Um, and you're like going to be learning, you know, elk behavior. So I, I look at it as like, choose the state or the location where you want to have that experience. That's number one. And then be the type of elk that you want to be good at, right? Like if you want to hunt open country elk, don't go like hunt Oregon coast to get better at being a good open country hunter. Like you want to learn about open country elk hunting, like go do that. If you want to learn how to hunt in the wilderness, like that's the experience you want, then go do that. Right. Like you can have all of these experiences, but just with like cow hunting. And my argument is that 
going for a cow is much closer to chasing a herd bull than it is shooting a raghorn. That's good. I, I think that's a great argument. And <laughs> I hope that also the other thing is like, this gives people something to do or something to strive for. Like, when they're waiting for these hunts, right? Like even right. Montana, I don't know what you heard about from friends, but it, it should probably take about two points to get the general tag now. Right. Uh, yeah. Something it like might that. be three. Cause I think I did hear of one. Three. No, I don't, I was trying to remember if that uh, one person did draw. Um, and I thought they had two, but I could be wrong on that. Um, because I, well, regardless, I the, the, the yeah. point is that people are, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, just like the easier bull hunting is, is getting harder to, to come by. Right honestly, there's a lot of elk tags in this country that I would rather have a really, really cool cow tag than go on that elk hunt. Um, you know, like a sub, a subpar rifle or a bow elk tag. I'm trying to think of like a crappy unit. I hunted six C I don't know. Just one too. like even 54, like some of these elk units, like I was thinking in New Mexico, like some of these elk units, like, yeah, you've got a bull tag, but like, you're about to spend 10 days just in a, you know, miserable hunt. Whereas like you could go to a bomber elk unit that has a cow tag, you know, like, is that, I, I don't know if yeah. anyone's actually going to do that though. Cause that takes like a little bit of like, I don't know, ego chop to be like, oh, I have this bull tag or I'm going to go on a cow hunt. Like, do you think anybody would give up a bull tag, even a crappy one to go on a world-class cow hunt? I sure. Th- I mean, I said, I sure. Th- Seems like the more people I talk to on the interwebs, I mean, not that this is a great, uh, you know, source citing here. The more people I talk to, that was like everyone just wants a better experience than, um, than what they're getting in over the counter Colorado hunt. You know, dude, that's um, the thing is like you go on like your average Colorado hunt, and it's like it's it sucks. You would have rather stayed at work. <laughs> Like, like you didn't see an elk, you saw 4,000 humans, or you could go to the San Juans, hunt cows and be like amongst the best elk or the Dutton or something like the best elk hunting in the country. You just couldn't shoot the big one. Yeah. That would be so worth it. It'd be so worth it to me. Hands down. Take, cause I've always said like, I want to go do a Colorado hunt, like just see if I could do it. But I think I would hands down rather have like a Dutton tag or a San Carlos tag or a Manti like cow tag, right? Like I'd go to these units just to like be around giant freaking bulls. Well, in, in the Wyoming example, I know I've, I've been trying to get my friends who are like, want to just kill an elk, you know, like get something for the freezer. Right. I'm like, do you just go out to these red desert elk cow hunts? Like the, the ones that are just like, they're running around like antelope. I mean, it just looks like a lot of fun. Dude. Um, yeah, what's the best cow tag in Wyoming? Area 100 for sure. Really? Um, there's like, oh, I I sure think so. I mean, if you're wanting to just kill one, you know, archery, you're running around. I think so, man. Just because there's like, it, there's a lot of coolies and like a lot of like topography. Even though it's not very big, it's not big country, but it's like really cut. Isn't that one like oh. just stack? Is everyone is that the unit that everyone bitches about? Too many cow hunters. Uh, no, that's area seven. You're talking okay, about that, area yeah, I was seven. Gonna say, it's either one hundred or seven. No, seven sucks. Um, I would, I would, there's more people on in area seven hunting than yeah, most, yeah, gen, the, well, yeah, than, than most, uh, general hunts. So 
Right. They're actually looking to make it general here. We'll we'll see. What's the that. what's the like real coveted unit down um, by you? Uh, right on the. That's border. the one hundred. That's one hundred. I thought it was like yeah, one twenty three or one thirty five or something like that. One twenty four is just south of one hundred, and that's also another good one. Oh yeah. Um, yeah that's and we had a buddy of ours do that tag too, and and same thing. He killed a cow while he was bull hunting, uh, and then kept hunting for his bull. Nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, some of that stuff, the desert country would be super fun, but otherwise, I mean, like there's, there's cow tags all over the place that are, you know, whatever type of terrain you want. Um, that's the beauty of it, I think. Right. And then with those cow tags, like the type six, like you could archery hunt September mm-hmm. and then can you, does it switch? I mean, technically you can rifle hunt them, can't you? Or does yeah. your guys so, okay, here. Image? Here's a good example. Um, Area 22 is the Ferris Mountains. It's one of the most coveted bull tags in the state, right? You can, if you get this type six tag, which doesn't take any points, it's a random draw. You can archery hunt it September one to 30. And then you're, there's one specific drainage that you can hunt with a rifle October eight to October 31. And then the entire area opens up November one to December 31. Yeah. See, so well, not like uh, multiple it, months, one, two, three, four months of hunting. You can't kill a, a, a cow elk in three months. Um, what about unit 38? That like, isn't that like the super covered one up uh, north end of the bighorns? Yeah. And their cow tag. Uh, they just, your timing is bad. They just got rid of that cow tag. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Here it is. They just extended the dates. That's what it was. Uh, October 1st. <laughs> October 1st to November 15th. Um, there's no archery season on that one. Uh, so yeah, go figure. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but, but either way, just, there's a lot of opportunity that people can just dive into. Right. And like, I think that's the way to do it is just pick an area like you're talking about and then go have fun. All right. So um, I'm going to give away too much information here, but like, uh, yeah, I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> Okay. So here's, here's what I would do. Um, let's just say that Northeastern Wyoming doesn't have a lot of elk, but they're trying to get rid of even more than they have. Well, than they have. Um, and like you could go and do a type six for three years and then pull a general tag and you would have three years of back knowledge going into that hunt. And I think you could call, kill a, a, a dandy bull. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Is that a fair they statement? Just, yes. <laughs> 1000%. Not to get just too in the weeds. The, yeah. And they just increased those licenses. And that's the whole thing. I think we get, keep getting coming back to is like, these are opportunities that are getting more available. Right. Right. So they yeah, can definitely like, like that. This is the problem is like, Montana, this whole change, this whole thing, this whole clusterfuck was because they aren't killing enough cows. The irony is that they're not going to kill more cows the way they did it. But like, this is the point is like, they have their like populations are over objective. We could argue about what that is or isn't, but like, they're trying to get rid of cows and they're not doing it. So like, I feel like, you know, in certain areas we're doing, (laughs) doing them a favor by doing some cow hunting. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Okay. So one of the things I, I know it's not going to take very long, but for argument's sake, um, most of these cow tags, especially with a rifle are during these late seasons, right? They're during right. November, uh, you know, late October, really mostly November and December hunting. What's the game plan for a late season cow elk rifle tag? 
Like what, what do you, like, what do you do? Yep. Uh, so, I mean, this is no different than Lacey's and uh, any tag, but we've talked about it before on here. I'm going to look at the data for wintering range uh, and summering range. And I'm going to find that line and I'm going to work backwards. So essentially I'm going to start at the wintering range and then work towards the summering range to try to locate where that, where, where those animals are. So um, you could also probably find collar data and figure out where exactly those elk are at what dates, right. Or that particular elk is, which generally leads to more elk. So like, I'm just going to basically work backwards and try to find them on the wintering ground um, and, and start cow hunting them. I, I mean, that's how I've been on a, you know, a bender for killing raghorns late, late season. But yeah, I, I I've also said that like, like last year I shot a raghorn and I was like, why didn't I, like, I feel this need to shoot a five point. I was like, I don't need the antlers. Like I should just shoot a cow, but yet when it comes down to it, like I'm always looking for a big bull to the last very second. And then I don't, um, but like it's, it would be no different, right? Like if I was hunting cows, like, as I say, early season archery, uh, hunting raghorns is, is the opposite of hunting cows. I think when it gets to late season, it's actually the exact same. So the same way you would hunt, like you're looking for the main populations of animals, like the inverse is that during rifle season, I'm looking for very secluded, remote, small timber pocket type terrain in, in rugged, nasty stuff to find big bulls. Whereas most of the elk are like, you know, open faces, uh, that broken timbery open, they're feeding a lot. And that's where I'm looking for. That's where all the raghorns, the five points, the cows, the calves, that's where all the elk are going to be, you know, it almost inverses, right? Like, and so the hunting tactic goes back to like, just looking for any elk and, and, you know, that I think that's the best tactic in the world is like, if you can learn how to figure out winter ground and summer ground work backwards, you'll locate elk. Like, I don't want to make it sound easy, but that's, it's pretty easy. Well, what, this is very nuts and bolts question, but does a guy still need to be on a glassing knob at first light, or is it more like cover a lot of the ground and just kind of keep moving around trying to find the herd? Cause they're easier to see. What's the, I mean, how much effort does a guy need to put into this as far as pounding, pounding ground with his boots? I think when it comes to finding out people don't put in enough effort. So I don't want to make it like I say it's easy but you may have to cover 36 miles to find your first elk. And then it's it like becomes a glassing knob thing. So for me, it is covering ground quickly until I find elk. And this is roughly the same when it comes to archery. Um, I'm covering stupid amounts of ground until I locate elk. And then I get patient and then I find glassing knobs and then I figure it out. Right. Like, so, you know, like we've talked about this. I mean, you hunted with lampers. It was like, go stupid hard. And then you stop and just wait and look around. Um, that's where people get confused. Like they tend to like, even if they're either like the type that goes too slow or the type that goes too fast and you have to be able to flip that switch. So, um, I see people like where I've killed some elk in the last couple of years, I see lots of people. And I've said, like, I still don't know exactly what they're doing. Cause they're just like, they're driving, they're like, whatever, like, or I seen people hiking right through elk country. And you know, it's like, they're in such a hurry that they miss the elk. But the alternative is to go far too slow and never be able to find elk. So if it takes 36 miles to find your first elk, you have to like stop and be stupid patient to figure out where the nooks and crannies are of those little elk populations, right? So if you're just going balls of the wall and you're like, oh, an elk, and then you just keep going and going and going, like you may hit another, you may have to go another 36 miles before you get another group of elk. That's roughly speaking, I don't want to confuse people, but the point is, is like it's that balance between going ridiculously fast and hard versus being extremely patient and 
precise, if that makes sense. Yeah, it sure seems like, and I, I love that you brought up that Lampers example. It's like, yeah, once you walk to, I mean, this is using this example, once you walk 12 miles, the elk hunting gets easy, right? Like, <laughs> but walking 12 miles is the hard part. <laughs> yeah. So. And, and that could be the case too. Like the 36 is not a hard number. It was a made up number in my head. I'm just saying yeah. that like, sometimes it takes, you know, hiking 36 miles to hit elk. And then instead of hiking another, like, just like going fast, it's like, you have to stop and look around. And then all of a sudden, like the pieces start to come together. You know, you're like, you're in the puzzle. You just can't see it. <laughs> you can't see the forest from within the trees. Right. Uh, and so like, it's just about being patient and picking, picking apart the little pieces. Oh, I love that. All right. It's, dude, it's like no different though. Like it's whether you're hunting cows or, or whatever, when it comes to late season, like if you're not hunting big bulls, like big bulls are alone, big bulls are so hard because like you may hike 36 miles to find one, but if you miss it, it might be another 36 miles. So like, that's why hunting big bulls in the late season is hard is because they're, you know, like they're in the worst spots and there's no other elk around them. Like just, I wouldn't say that's entirely the case, but like a lot of times, like you're finding this like needle in a haystack, so to speak. And then you're looking for the second needle in a haystack. And so when it comes to say late season cow or just any elk, those are usually like, okay, these elk are coming from this region and they're moving into this area, right? Like, okay, somewhere along there, there's a bunch of elk stacked up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. So last kind of question, cause we talked to this about this, uh, on the extreme for early season. Um, how the hell are you getting a cow out? If you've got waist high snow, are you going to snowshoe? Are you going to ski? Are you going to get a sled? What are some of the things like I tried to bring a sled in last year and I didn't have a great setup there. So I'm, I had a bad experience, but I thought that was a way to do it. And I'm not so sure about that. So what, what are some, what went wrong with your sled experience? Uh, it just like, it's hard to pull that some bitch uphill. <laughs> well, no <laughs> shit, Sherlock. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I would rather have had in that case, right? I would have rather have had big snowshoes and it on my back. Right. Um, or some all ties or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or base measures. Uh, if you're shooting the cows do's and don'ts. Yeah. I, uh, well, I'm, I don't know if I'm the expert in this. I'm also the expert in making bad decisions. So like for the expert in don'ts at least. Yeah. <laughs> expert. In, like that was fucking dumb. Um, but I, I would say like, if we're shooting cows in need deep snow, waist deep snow, we, we've gone too far. There's probably an easier path. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of this when I shot uh, that trident bull and old uh, Bickler helped me pack that out. And like, he was so mad. He was like, what are you doing here? Like, this is dumb. And uh, that was a brutal night. And then like the next day he shot a bull, like across the field and like was sledding the whole thing across his field. And he's like, this is how you do it. Like, don't be going back there. And uh, so it was comical, but I would say like, I don't know, roughly speaking, um, I've done the sled thing. And I think as long as it's flat, it's fine. Downhill is real awesome. Might kill you. Um, but like, sometimes it is easier just to put it on your back. Uh, it just sucks with multiple trips. So yeah, like, dude, having the arsenal is the key, like big snowshoes. Like you said, like not the MSRs. Cause you'll just sink. That doesn't work. Um, like the big Cabela's ones, I think they're like 59, $59. They're like, they're made for fat kids. Right. Um, that, uh, I think the sleds work. I don't know. I've never had really an issue. It, I mean, the only uphills like I've done, I've just 
carried it and then like, okay, we'll sled it from here. So like, you just kind of have to like pick the sections that you're going to sled and the ones that you're going to pack. So like, it all gets quartered up anyway. Um, but other than that, like, I don't know, like what are the tips I have for packing out? Uh, I guess that is the tip. You just, it's like, you just, that is the tip though. Like you're like, no, just on the uphill, don't try to drag the damn sled, just put it on your back and then ride the meat on the way down. (laughs) Dude, I laughed because like last, um, last year when Kelsey and I went and shot some does and Wade was with us. And so like, you know, family deer hunt and I shoot this doe and it's like not very far from the pickup. Uh, less is like a half mile from the pick, but I was like, Oh, I'll just drag it or whatever. And so dragging this damn doe was so much work and it was like uphill. And then like, you know how it is like, Oh, I think it's only like hundred or 200 yards up to the top of the hill. No, it was like three or 400. And I'm like dragging this damn deer up the top of the hill, which was fine. And then I get it back down the other side, but then I proceeded to just basically skin it and take off all the heavy things at my truck. And I was like, you know, this would have been a much, like, I could, like, there was no difference in this. Like I could have just like corded this thing and packed it out. And I feel like a would have been quicker, easier, probably cleaner. Like I was like, why well, do people drag deer out? That's silly. Dude. I've been, I've been on the quartering antelope does train. I quarter my antelope does even just cause it's just like, well, I mean, yeah, it's only a different quarter anyway. pounds, but yeah, like, but that's what I'm going to do to get it in the cooler. So well, funny story about that. First antelope I ever killed in um, Montana uh, was outside of Whitehall. My friend lived there and the butcher, like he calls the butcher by butcher. I mean like his buddy and he's like, he's like, Hey, turn the cooler on. Well, the, it's just a chest freezer, but he, the, the guy's like, yeah, you got to leave the skin on it. Don't skin it. So, you know, basically we drop it in the <laughs> freezer, like a chest freezer as soon as you shoot it, like quickly bring it over to the house, we'll drop it in this freezer and cool it down, but they don't skin it. Like not quarter it, not skinning it. No, nothing. And the reason is, I guess, is because, uh, it, that way it doesn't get silver skin. So you're not, like not trimming all that off. And like, apparently it's way cleaner, easier. I've still never done it this day. Um, Th- that guy cut up that entire antelope because I was like headed to New Mexico and on the hunt. But I was like, uh, it was always like this thing that like, took me back. I was like, which is funny because now I also see it like in Montana, it's very common just to put your deer on your flatbed and like chill the damn thing. Um, like it's not like we're, they're just driving around with a deer. I think there's a reasoning like you want it to freeze with the hide on and then pull the hide off. I could see that. Yeah. I, I think if you're killing an August speed go. I don't know, (laughs) you know, but like in those later seasons, that makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. Anything else? No, man, this is good. I I feel like we've like talked about some nuts and bolts, like regarding your meat care and like packing and figuring this stuff out, like that you haven't touched on in a long time. So uh, I hope some guys like it. I I really am pretty stoked to I, I got to kill a cow out this year, man. That's all I'm saying. Is, uh, Dude, I really I thought about like both of us going to Utah doing that hunt. The hard part is giving up time. Like it's just like time um, is the, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with the Colorado thing. Like I would love to do a Colorado just to prove myself that I can do it. Um, that also gets harder every single year that I don't do it. But at the same time, it's like, I, I, it's not worth giving up a week or a weekend of, you know, the seasons that I do have. So until I don't draw a tag, like, I don't think it's going to mean a thing. Uh, but I do, I did want to say like you, you were saying like, Oh, the stuff we haven't talked about all the time. You know, I, someone made the comment that like the, 
sometimes the questions I have aren't questions uh-huh. they would have. They're like, it's interesting, but it's like, I just don't know what I don't know. And so I, I think I sometimes forget to think about things from the noob perspective, not picking on anyone. It's just like the, you know, these are the things that go through your head. Um, and I'm like, they can also, there's like, <laughs> like these things like seem, I don't know, not trivial, but like just, yeah, common sense. Uh, whereas I think most people are like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that. So I don't know. It's good. Good that we kind of cover these type of things. I agree, man. It feels like until you do it and realize it is hard to fuck up if you have uh, common sense, then it's you don't know that, right? Like you could be like, oh, no, I don't want to lose the whole thing, for example, with the meat situation. But until right. you do it a few times, you would I think know. it's just a silly comment, though, because like, dude, <laughs> August 15th is not warmer or colder than September 15th. No, I, I agree with you. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I still put in for that August 15th cow tag. So are you not going big bull hunting? Like you're like, that's a 380 bull, but I'm probably not going to shoot it. You know, like, like you may be a little <laughs> bit conscious about like what time of day you shoot that, but at the end of the day, come on, like you're just going to work your face off to make it happen. Yeah. I don't, I don't see a reason to make it hold you back. Just, I, I think that's the whole thing. The moral story is just, you gotta be smart. It, it, you don't, you, you just, can't um it'll matter if you're like five miles by yourself like now now it's starting to matter you know like but i would also like this happened in new mexico when we were with like uh with jeff like one of the patreons that when we're in there and i was like he's like man what do you think because it was 80s no it was in the 90s it was 90s and i was like honestly i think past about five and a half miles we really got to chickety check ourselves because at five and a half miles with two guys, I could get that bull out. Like I would be up all night and it might be seven or eight in the morning, you know, by the time, but before it got hot again, I could have that thing in the cooler. Right. And so like I have ice at the cooler, like I'm not overly concerned about that. Um, there's a Creek, you know, like there's ways around it, but I think that, it was like, that's the point where it was like, okay, you know, you're going to have to go all night to get this thing out basically to get cooler temperatures, but that's doable. Yeah. As long as you know that that's coming, you just do it. Like it's, there's not a negotiation. Right. That's like, the other thing that was most people are just like, I don't want to be up that late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you willing to pull an all nighter in grizzly country? Uh, carrying me. I will say I like three times I've done that. I have been, I've, I've been liked the idea of just doing it right then instead of going back. I'd rather just get it done instead of going back. Yeah. That's a good question. Would you rather have to go back to me or like <laughs> just get it done? Yeah. I don't know. We've just gone straight back. I mean, well, actually no, with Lampers, there's four of us. So that wasn't a bad deal, but it was like, I would rather just, just spend all the time you need to at the, the meet right in that time frame. I feel like as soon as you start getting away from the meat for further, it, it just increases your chance. Something else is going to come in. Right. Dude, that's why I like the piggyback route to like be piggybacking meat. Like when I, um, when I did my big bowl that was like four miles in, uh, yeah. solo, I was just piggybacking every mile, which is really handy from like a weight on off perspective. And I like that. The problem is, is that you're coming up on meat, like every two hours, uh, that, you know, like you just don't know if something's on it or not. So, yeah. Well, and do you think that that keeps your morale higher on an average? That would be the only difference in my, in my brain is like, ah, yes, no meat on my back. And then you like walk to get the other pack and you're like, ah, shit, meat. I, I see it both ways. I see it both ways. Cause it's like, 
Dude, it just like it takes forever, but it is it is nice to be like on off on off. Um, I do. I think I would go that route again. Um, I like that route. I mean, I don't know if morale is higher. <laughs> like, I wouldn't know if I'd go that far, but I don't know. I like the the piggybacking thing, just because like as a salt when you're solo, it's just like, dude, five hours with weight on is brutal, and you're ridiculously slow. Like, that's the thing I think that doesn't get factored in is that like I think if you rest every every mile or even every two miles, it's like you're on off weight on off weight. I think you're faster because I do know that like you do five miles on five miles off that next five miles out with weight is like, you're so slow and you're stopping all the time. And you're like, it's just like, yeah, maybe that's the right, the right answer is like morale is low when you're on your like, I don't know, 15th mile was we made weight on. <laughs> I forget what it was. It was like 50 or 60 miles that I had to do with weight uh, total. I don't remember. That wasn't weighted though. That was just like total, total. Um, dude, that's so far. It is. It is. Five trips. Is, that's why you got to be on your mountain tough grind. <laughs> dude, I've been doing deck of cards. <laughs> I've been pretty damn consistent uh, doing a deck of cards every morning. So I'm feeling pretty oh, good. Why, while you're hanging out with the family or something? Like just flipping No, the I just, I, dude, I've been coming to the office super early. Um, so I get here like five. And then I'll do like a deck of cards and then kind of start working. Just, I don't know, usually between 5.40 and 6. Start working. That's sweet. I'm actually going to go, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the audition for Mountain Tough uh, training here. As in like, I'll lead the training. So we'll see how it goes. You're going to audition? Yeah. Like there's a, a local gym here and they're like, Hey, uh, I know you're not an actual trainer. So like. I want to see how you do before I just tell you, you can start training people. Like, so it's the gym or Dustin telling you this? Uh, it's the gym. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So it's like a whole deal. Like just in Lander, we're going to have like mountain tough glasses. Dustin mm. was like, yeah, go ahead. So we'll see right. how it goes. I was like, I'm pretty sure Dustin wouldn't care if you did. I feel like you crushed it when you were here. So well, <laughs> yeah. Right. well, I'm getting kind of like, I'm getting, uh, I'm becoming a little bit of a fat kid. I've just been hiking and I think I have got to, I, I'm eating way too much. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, uh, the, like the nicest way of like, I, I'm just, I'm just eating way too much. <laughs> that's really what it is. Uh, yeah. Anyway. It's time to get on that grind. It's summer. Um, you know, it's time to like start getting in shape for season. Are you, um, are you going to spring bear hunt and do the whole deal? Dude, I went quick? out last night. Uh, nice. Mainly just like a warm up hike. I was like, yeah, I yeah. want to go do a hike. Um, and it was sunny and I went and shot my gun and all that. So I was like, I'm going to go do this hike in this new area. Uh, so I did like three or four miles. Uh, I felt good though. Uh, my feet, like, dude, that's the thing is like my feet, I, I kind of just wore tennis shoes and I could tell like my ankles weren't as strong as like, you know, the usual, uh, mm-hmm. and my feet, when I got home last night, I was like, man, I'm a week. Like I need to start doing baldy laps or something. Like, I feel yeah. like that's the number one thing. Like being in shape doesn't really matter to me. I'll get in shape throughout season. The one thing that I have to do before season, this is personal is beat the shit out of my feet because that's what like, day 25 will look like is your feet hurt or your feet are just like done. Like I can slow down. I can take breaks. I can hike, you know, and I'll basically get in shape throughout season. But the difference is, is like, I got to beat the crap out of my feet. So they get tough and my ankles get tough. That's my entire goal of like getting in shape. Like if you really want to call it that, like being in shape helps. Don't get me wrong. Do a mountain tough is great. Do a deck of cards is great. 
but at the end of the day, like I know that for me between now and September one, it's a matter of beating the crap, making my feet tough because that's, what's going to make or break my fitness. If you will, would you agree? Yep. Oh man, totally. It's just being so that, yeah. Yeah. So you don't get fatigued out is basically the whole thing. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, you can get tired and stop. You can take breaks. Like you could yeah. literally smoke a cigarette up the mountain. Like, like it's not going to make that much of a difference, but you can't keep going if your feet are done. <laughs> yeah. It's the long term. It's the long term. Um, yeah. Okay. Last, last thing I killed a turkey last week and it made me remember or realize you never freaking turkey hunt. You're like the only elk guy that I know <laughs> who doesn't like consistently turkey hunt. Okay. For the record, I've killed a shit ton of turkeys. Um, and I used to turkey hunt a lot. Uh, like when I dude sled springs in the old days, pre-wolves sled springs was bomb ass turkey hunting. And I loved it. Um, and on the farm, I've killed a number of turkeys. So I've killed a pile of turkeys. I used to turkey hunt a lot. And it's funny you say that. Cause like I had the itch this year to go do some turkey hunting and I'm thinking about going this weekend, ironically. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of that, yes. stim, dude, Dale. So Dale Evans, who works for Randy, he was in and we were trying to fix one of his decoys or whatever. And he was him and his buddy, Jesse, who I know they've been out doing like, you know, the Turkey slam or whatever. And I was talking to Dale and I'm like, God, oh, kind of got me all excited. I just, the hard part about it for me is like, I, I completely understand where people come from when they say they hate the turkeys are dumb and no one wants to hunt them because that's valley birds. To me, I categorize them in two versions. There's valley birds and there's mountain birds. Mm -hmm. And I've shot a lot of both. Like on the farm, we had valley birds and I could pretty much set a blind up, cluck a couple of times or like these birds would walk by, right? But when I hunted the mountains, it was like, A, in my opinion, those are Miriams. And you're like, you're working ridges. Like I was covering miles, like locate, locate. I hit a gobble. It'd be like on the next ridge, chase that. And like, and do this whole, like, it was just like elk hunting, like call it what you want. People get pissed when you say that, but it was just like, like go hunt Miriams in the mountains of Idaho. Like it's way closer to hunting uh, elk than like anything else. But Valley birds are like, I don't know shooting a fucking chicken in the, you know, the coop, like it's dumb. Um, I just don't have any desire to do that. And so like, there's a bunch of turkeys at my house. Let my kid pretends to shoot off the porch. Like I have no desire to shoot those type of birds, but if I could find somewhere in Montana and this is just like, I, I know a few places, the, the, it's just time, but I want to find birds that are mountain birds, not valley birds. Does that make sense? So like in Montana, everyone, I see put pictures and I can tell if you're hunting a mountain bird or hunting a valley bird and like, cool. If you want to shoot valley birds, I don't care personally. I just have no desire to do it. That's fair. I shot my valley bird in 40 minutes. So, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's That's turkey fair. hunting and there's shooting turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I know you had a hard stop here in just a moment. So, uh, any yeah. other final words of wisdom? Uh, I'm out. I'm Tell us it. if you guys are going to chase cows in some epic unit. I want to hear about it. Yeah. Tell me, I want to hear about that. Um, I also want to know like what questions you guys, like, uh, I got, I got a couple podcasts lined up, but that the other day when someone said like, I need to ask more basic questions, it wasn't, it was like catered towards them and that's fine. So like hit me up with your questions or like things you want to go over. If there's like specific topics, uh, tactics, things like that. Um, the other thing is like, I realized that I've become a open country or prairie hunter. Uh, and so like my tactics or questions tend to like vary a little bit. Um, and for the record, uh, I did 
get a prairie tag this year again, even though I said I wasn't going to, I did it. Um, <laughs> I was like, I, I was on the fence, like till the last minute I didn't put in cause I was on the fence and I ended up putting in for prairie and I got it, but I'm still not like, I'm not sold on it. I, I want to call the ODF and see if I can just, if I can not buy that tag and hunt general, uh, because they didn't say that in the rules. And I was like, well, maybe that'll buy me another like six months before I have to make a decision whether I'm going to hunt general or the prairie. So I'm still up in the air. And a lot of it was, is like, there's a, a place in the generals that I want to go scout. And I'm like, I think there's better potential. I think it's a better hunt than what I was doing in the prairie. And so I'm like, but at the same time, I didn't want to just like put in for it. And I have all this work the last two, three years in the prairie stuff. And uh, anyway, so I don't know, dude, I was on the fence and I know a lot of people were kind of curious what I ended up doing. Uh, so that's what I did. <laughs> Do the prairie. I've got a hunt for you in, in Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming. We'll talk hunt? about it offline. Yeah. We'll talk about it offline. Yeah. Well, Sam and I have been talking about something too. So, um, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Sounds good. All right. I got a bounce later. Alrighty guys, thanks for tuning in to the Elk Hunt Podcast. If you love elk hunting content, tips and tactics, all that jazz, then go leave this podcast a review wherever you listen to podcasts at. Much appreciated. And if you're interested, go check out our Elk Hunt 201 course. It's a four-step system for doubling your success. It's a great resource and it's going to make you a better hunter. I guarantee that or we'll refund your money. Uh, If you don't get anything out of it, if you don't get $30 out of it, then we'll definitely refund your money. So go check it out. Link in the show notes.